of the head of him that was separated from his brethren. His glory is like the firstling of his bullock, and his horns are like the horns of unicorns. With them he shall push the people together to the ends of the earth, and they are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. And of Zebulun he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in thy going out, and Issachar in thy tents. They shall call the people unto the mountain, there they shall offer sacrifices of righteousness, for they shall suck of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hid in the sand. And of Gad he said, Blessed be he that enlargeth Gad, he dwelleth as a lion, and teareth the arm with the crown of the head. And he provided the first part for himself, because there in a portion of the lawgiver was he seated, and he came with the heads of the people, he executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments with Israel. And of Dan he said, Dan is a lion's whelp, he shall leap from Bashan. And of Naphtali he said, O Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full with the blessing of the Lord, possess thou the west and the south. And of Asher he said, Let Asher be blessed with children, let him be acceptable to his brethren, and let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heavens in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Israel then shall dwell in safety alone. The fountain of Jacob shall be upon a land of corn and wine. Also his heavens shall drop down dew. Happy art thou, O Israel, who is like unto thee, O people, saved by the Lord, the shield of thy help, and who is the sword of thy excellency. And thine enemies shall be found liars unto thee, and thou shalt tread upon their high places. This far we read the word of God. Of a fourfold blessing that Moses pronounced on Asher in verses 24 and 25, I call your attention to the fourth aspect in the last part of verse 25. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. There is, beloved saints in Christ, a hymn, and a hymn probably that is familiar to you, and not a hymn that versifies the text, but certainly a hymn that takes the thought of the text and develops the thought. Day by day, and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment I've no cause for worry or for fear. That's the first part of the first stanza. But in the last, or in the last part of the second stanza, he returns, does the hymnist, uh, to the word of God in our text. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid, as thy days, thy strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. When we think of the hymn, when we read the text in the light of the hymn, 
we immediately say the text must be all about trials. That is, it must be a comfort for us in trials. It must therefore even be saying to Asher, you will have trials, but in those trials you will find strength. Now in fact, although the hymn makes an application of the text, an application that's warranted, let's see that the text is not, first of all, addressing the matter of trials. That is, it has a much broader meaning and therefore can also have broader applications. The text is part of the blessing that Moses pronounces on the tribe of Asher. Each tribe is blessed. Asher is not distinguished in being blessed, and yet the blessing pronounced on each tribe is distinct to that tribe. Four things are said of Asher. Let Asher be blessed with children. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. And let him dip his foot in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Really the thought of the blessing as a whole is this. Asher, as you go live in that part of Canaan that God gives you, that would be the very northwest extremity from Mount Carmel up toward the city of Tyre in the Sidonian region and alongside of the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. As you go live there off, in a, as it were, in a corner of the promised land, you're not in the center of things. You're not by Jerusalem. You're not by Judah and Benjamin. But as you do that, may you know, number one, the preservation and increase of the church in and through you as a tribe. Let Asher be blessed with children. Number two, may you experience and enjoy the fellowship and communion of saints. Let him be acceptable to his brethren. Number three, may you enjoy the prosperity on earth that God gave to the Israelites as a picture of the spiritual blessings that we have in him. Let him dip his foot in oil, that is, abundance, and thy shoes shall be iron and brass, that is, strength. And then, fourthly, and that's getting to the real heart of our text now. May you live long in the promised land, and may you have strength to serve as long as you are in that land. Having set forth the, the text in its context that way, we could see that there would be three levels of application of our text. No matter what the occasion is for preaching on the text, Three levels. In the first place, an application to Asher, therefore an application to a part of the church of Jesus Christ, let's say to a congregation. And it would be an appropriate text to use on the occasion of the beginning of a congregation, the organization of a congregation, or an appropriate text to use on the occasion perhaps of an anniversary of a congregation. There's again an application that can be made for the denomination or the church of Jesus Christ more widely. For although each of the 12 tribes received a blessing specifically geared toward it, the point never was 
that if you are in Asher, you will have a blessing that the people in Judah could not possibly have. But there is really a blessing that comes on the whole nation in the blessing on that tribe. And so applications to a denomination or the church of Jesus Christ more broadly. And then in the third place, the level of application is to each individual member of the church. If this blessing comes on Asher, it must come upon the members of the tribe of Asher, specifically the elect, covenant, redeemed believers who look to this promise for encouragement and who turn to it time and time again. And from the viewpoint of an application to individuals, it would on the one hand be an appropriate text for a confession of faith. But this morning, we will apply it more along the lines of that hymn. To the fact that there are people in the church, every one of us at one time or another, who under the mighty hand of God are given a trial and a testing of faith. And to them too comes this promise. And as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Our strength measured by our days. I call your attention to the text under that theme then, the measure of our strength. Notice first our strength. Secondly, its measure, that is, as thy days. And thirdly, the promise child of God might come to the text and say there's something about it I simply do not get. What I simply do not get is that the promise here seems to be that I'll be strong. I'll always be strong. And I do not feel that I am always strong. Not only do not feel that I'm always strong, but I know I'm weak. That weakness, it's more than just a feeling, a a sensation. It's a reality. I am so weak. The Heidelberg Catechism drives that point home when we pray in the sixth petition for uh, grace to fight against the devil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I am so weak. In myself I cannot stand a moment. Do thou Therefore, preserve and strengthen me. Partly an answer to that response that each one of us might give, but also to help you understand what, the, what Jehovah is saying here, we have to see that the strength of which the text speaks is not physical strength. That is, not sheer power. In the first place, that's not the word translated strength in the text. A word that's translated strength here in our text is a word never else used in the scriptures and not, first of all, having the idea of physical strength. In the second place, were it to be physical strength that the promise regards and merely physical strength, then there's a limit put on that strength that isn't the point of the text, as thy days, so shall thy strength be, only three score and ten, and maybe the strong part of my life even less. And that's not the point of the text. 
And the third place, even though in the Old Testament, Jehovah gave promises about earthly blessings to Israel as a type of the heavenly strength. Mere physical might is not something God promises every one of his children will have. That's not the kind of blessing the church looks for. The strength of which our text speaks has two components to it. It is in the first place the strength of one whose wars are finished and who enjoys rest, peace. That strength. And secondly, enjoying that peace and rest, a strength that enables one to serve Jehovah God in His covenant wherever and however and in whatever circumstance Jehovah has put us and wills us to serve. And I'm going to look at those two aspects of the strength each in a little more detail. In the first place, it is the strength of one for whom wars are finished and one is enjoying peace and rest. That makes it a timely promise for the Israelites and for Asher as she on the east side yet of the Jordan River, and Moses speaking his last words to her before she enters the promised land, knows that there will be fighting. She's not going to simply be given the land. She's not going to walk across the Jordan into the land of Canaan. The Canaanites will say, oh, you've come? We'll gladly leave, and out they'll go, and there she can sit and dwell in their cities. There will be fighting. The fighting will be fierce, it will be intense, it will be strenuous, it will require strength. But there will come a time when the fighting is over. When the Canaanites are conquered, when the Israelites dwell in the cities of the Canaanites or can build their own cities, and when they can settle down and say, we have destroyed our enemies. There are no enemies that have their sights on us against whom we must prepare to defend ourselves. There is rest. And there is peace. The fulfilling of this promise then in its fullest expression to Asher on earth doesn't come right away. In fact, it really doesn't come until the time of Solomon. And I can use Solomon too to illustrate the point I'm making about this strength being the strength of one at rest. David was a strong king. He was strong to battle. There wasn't rest. There wasn't peace so much in David's day, at least between Israel and the, the nations around. There was war. But when Solomon reigned, there was rest. The strength of one at rest, the one who has conquered his enemies, and so other surrounding nations know it isn't worth our going against that nation. They will beat us. The strength of that one at rest is not the kind of strength that needs flaunting, not the kind of strength that 
one shows and demonstrates by saying, look, I'll go kill a hundred more and show how strong I am. It is very simply this. One doesn't move a tongue against that nation. One doesn't dream of fighting against that nation. That nation has a quiet strength. He's destroyed his enemies. And there's peace. It's with this being the idea of strength. Most of our English translations, at least the ones I've consulted, do use the word strength. But one, and not necessarily a translation that I generally advocate, but one really gets at the idea here, a leisurely walk, it translates the word, in the sense of, although there might be troubles in my life, all around me, the Lord has done good things and he's given me peace and rest. Moses, not only in the part of the blessing that we're taking as our text, but in the latter part of the blessing to Asher shows that he's getting at this kind of strength. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass. That strength again. You're going to walk around able to, to do whatever the Lord has given you to do. That brings me in the second place then to say that this is the kind of strength that enables one to work. Once again, I don't mean though physical strength so that a man can go out and work a 12-hour day and get a lot done. I mean instead of physical work, the sort of service that we render to God in His covenant. That can include our daily tasks and going about whatever work He's assigned us, using our arms and our legs and our muscles and our hands. But it doesn't always. Think of the fact that there are in the congregation and in the covenant people of God everywhere, aged, who can't get up and go do a full day's work anymore and yet they serve and that's part of the idea embedded also in this word strength the people of Asher at rest no enemies will bother them can go sow their fields can harvest them don't have to worry about the enemy coming in just before harvest time and burning the fields or destroying them they can go do the work they're called to do they will have, therefore, the means to bring to the temple their offerings and their gifts, their worship and their sacrifices. Likewise, you and I, in whatever position in life God has put us, can say, I have a strength that enables me to serve. I might falter when I walk down the road. I might falter physically, but I will not by the grace of God, turn aside from the law of God and the duties he's given me to do, I will faithfully serve in the capacity in which I'm placed. That is the idea of strength in our text. Now that strength is a gift of God. And I need to develop that point now. You don't find it in yourself, and I won't find it in myself. And therefore, if ever we seem to be lacking in it, the answer is not 
to go get a gym membership or to eat more healthy food. But the answer is to turn to God in prayer and supplication. To claim the promise that He's made and to go to Him saying, I need, I need the fulfilling of that promise. In the first place, as a gift of God, it's an undeserved gift. Israel does not deserve to be the covenant people of God. Asher does not deserve to be a part of the covenant people of God. She and you and I have forfeited in Adam the right to this gift. We deserve no strength. We deserve no place in God's covenant. We deserve no spiritual peace and rest. We deserve no power to serve God in the covenant. We deserve destruction. That which the Canaanites will receive at the hand of the Israelites. It is therefore a gracious gift earned and bestowed by Jesus Christ. Now see that the basis for this gift coming to sinners such as you and me is that Jesus Christ had to come into our flesh and he had to war. I said, the strength is that of rest after war, when the enemies are conquered. It's not the kind of strength one has apart from war, but only after war. And so our Lord and Savior took on Himself the burden of our guilt and our corruption. He bore the wrath of God. He really went to war against the forces of Satan, of sin, and of hell, and having done so on the cross completely, and crying out at the end, it is finished, he has earned and has obtained this rest. It's really, in essence, not a different kind of rest from the Sabbath rest that we enjoy now. And it is not, in essence, different. It is the same as the heavenly rest we will enjoy in the heavenly Canaan one day when Jesus Christ brings us there. He had to earn that rest for us, and He did so in the way of warring. Warring against Satan on our behalf so that there is now, yes, there's an ongoing battle because we have an old man and a new man, but there is nonetheless the enjoyment of victory. And although you fight and I fight the old man and the new man, the sins of discontentment and lust and, and covetousness and, and pride and other sins, yet we do so knowing heaven is ours. Our fight, our battle is not to obtain it or to earn it. It is rather the way God would have us serve until He gives it to us in full measure. A gracious gift of God on the basis of the atoning work of Christ. And then of course, that to end with His death on the cross, Jesus Christ must rise from the dead. He lives again. He possesses this strength. Seated at the right hand of God, He enjoys this rest in that none will oppose Him or those who do. 
he will easily destroy in the day of his coming. And he serves God as the mediator of the covenant, then gives to you and to me the same strength. Do you lack it? At least do you feel that you lack it? Seek it from God in Christ. Then, as we're emphasizing that this strength is a gift from God, see that it's a particular gift. That is, if Christ must die to earn and arise to bestow it, then it is not a gift for each and every. I'm not explaining now why the blessing comes on Asher in this form as opposed to the other 12 tribes, but we are explaining why the blessing comes on Israel as opposed to any of the other nations around. And that's the big, big picture of the entire chapter. Moses ends it this way, There is none like unto the God of Jashurin. Jashurin, a different word that we're used to, to refer to Israel, Jacob, who rideth upon the heavens in thy help and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge. All of the promises are particular to Israel as the covenant people of Jehovah God. And so, the meaning of strength for you and for me is that at every point, from the moment of our regeneration until the moment of our glorification, and of course then to all eternity, but seeing we're on earth, from the moment of our regeneration to the moment of our glorification, we have the power in Jesus Christ to serve God, knowing that our enemies have been overcome. Now, while that application can be made then to a congregation when it's organized or celebrates an anniversary or to a young person making confession of faith, we'll apply it specifically to trials and to suffering. <clears throat> and we remember, as the Apostle Paul told the Philippians in chapter 1, that even suffering is a gift of God. Even suffering it's a circumstance of life that's very difficult for us. But God has led us also into that circumstance. The suffering of persecution, that's Paul to the Philippians particularly, the suffering of persecution says to the world, this is my child. The suffering of persecution says of me and of you. We are the people of God. If we were not, he would not lead us through these sufferings that Prepare us for heaven, but also all suffering. All suffering for the child of God is not God saying, for a little while I forgot my promise. For a little while I'm not going to give you strength. For a little while forget about these long days in the promised land. But is God saying, lest you think I remember my promise only when things go well. I will lead you through times of suffering. The times of suffering will make you wonder if I've forgotten. In the end, when you look back, you will see that not only have I not forgotten, but as I said to Paul, Jehovah will say to us too, my grace is made perfect in your weakness. 
this is where you see this strength more than you imagined you could. So are you suffering? Regardless now of the occasion, each of us has a burden. Are you suffering in an earthly way? Is there a grief in your life? The Lord's promise is this. As thy days, so shall thy strength be. That leads us then to consider what the measure of our strength is. As thy days. When I call this the measure of our strength, I don't mean that it's the limit of our strength. I mean that it, the Lord is saying in proportion to the number of days that I've assigned you, you will have strength. We'll see in a little while that far from suggesting that our strength is, is small, the Lord is promising that it is in fact very great. But let's first notice the word days. What's going on here? Well, just like strength, days suggest two different things. In the first place, it suggests a length of life. It is, after all, a, a unit of time. A day is, a week, a month, a year, an hour, a moment. The Holy Spirit uses days here to remind us both that he doesn't promise this for just a short time, just a brief moment, and at the same time to remind us that from an earthly viewpoint, our days are not overly many. They aren't years and years and centuries and centuries. The promise as regards its earthly fulfillment is for a while. Length of life. Asher's length of time in the promised land would be about 400, 500 or so years. Three score years and ten, or four score years if now earthly strength be great. They could be fewer though. The point is not to say how many days there are. The point is to say that as long as God has appointed us to live in his covenant, he will give us strength to serve him in his covenant. And so if the first thought suggested by the word days is length of time, a, a measurement of time, the other is, once again, activity. And here the idea of days and strength come together. Both, both of them suggested that we're going to be busy. We're going to be serving God in his covenant. For day and days are the time to work. Days now in distinction from nights. Days as opportunities that God gives for us to be busy saying, I serve my master and my risen Lord. The Lord determines the how, the what the when of our service. But he gives us, whether we're married or single or widows or widowers or sick or healthy or recovering from surgeries or not having any need to see the doctor, he gives us work to do in his covenant 
and in the daytime. That is, while we have the ability, we busy ourselves in that work. As thy days. Say it again. From an earthly perspective, it might seem that the Lord is saying, you don't really have long. And if you're to read the text in light of Psalm 90, to which I earlier alluded, it might seem that way. But the word to Asher is many, many, many are your days. You will have not limited strength. That's not the point of the comparison here that your strength is limited. But see how your strength is great and see how your strength will be given you continually. Yes, for centuries she would serve on earth in the, heaven, in the earthly Canaan, but there's typology going on here. And the length of time in which we serve in the heavenly Canaan can't really in the end by, be measured by days because it's endless. It's ongoing. It's everlasting. And the Lord has that in mind. In promising Asher strength for many days, and promising to godly believers in the New Testament strength for the moment, but for many days, God is saying, until you die, each and every day you'll have the strength and then the promise isn't even over yet. When you're in heaven, you'll have it forever. Now we get the order messed up in our minds, and that's where we go wrong so often. And we say, as my days, sorry, as my strength, so shall my days be. This is a very earthly-minded way of thinking, but it comes naturally to every one of us. I'm 10 years old. I'm strong. I'm 25 years old. I'm strong. I'm going to have many days. And we forget that from an earthly viewpoint, this could be our last day, even if we are 10 or 25. And then you go visit an aged saint in their home, and they say, I'm 90. Why can't I die? I'm weak. It must be my days are soon over. We reverse the order of the text and therefore go wrong in our thinking. So have the order right in your mind, beloved. Not as thy strength, so shall thy days be. As in, whether I feel strong, then I can serve God if I feel weak. I don't have to serve God today, or I won't live much longer. But as thy days, so shall thy strength be. That is, as long as God said, He wills that we live on earth, He will give us strength to carry out our calling. If the first point put our text in required us to explain it in the light of the gospel, Jesus Christ earning the strength, then the second point requires us to back up a minute and look at the big picture of life. And remember that every moment and every 
day of our life has been determined in the decree and counsel of God from eternity. I don't have the power to determine my days, not their number, not their quality, not what I do or how I serve in them, but God has. He's determined it in his counsel. He's raised us up in time. He's given us birth. He's led us through the various circumstances of life to carry out his will. And the reason why the 90-year-old who maybe can hardly get out of bed is still alive is because he or she still has service in the covenant of God. That's the way God sees it. And you and I might say, how? The Lord says, by lying there, patient, contented, testifying to others around of the goodness of God and the love of God in Jesus Christ. It's because the order is, first of all, as thy days determined in eternity in the counsel of God, so shall thy strength be, that we can make application now, first of all, to our congregation and to our denomination. Lord determined when the PRCA would be formed, and he determined when first PRC of Grand Rapids would be formed. And we can look back in history and say, I know those days. Some of us have the date fixed in our minds. Likewise, the Lord determined the last day that the PRCA as a denomination will exist, and the last day that first PRC of Grand Rapids as a congregation will exist as an instituted congregation. And that date we don't have fixed in our mind. We wonder when will it be? But the Lord knows. Until that day comes, and that's where the text becomes pertinent to you and to me as a members of a church, until that day comes, be busy serving. You know what your calling is as a congregation. We know what our calling is as a denomination. To be faithful to God, that is to be witnesses of His sovereign grace, to testify to all around of an unconditional covenant and a particular grace, and continue to do so, do so unashamedly as a congregation are calling to preach the gospel, to do the work of discipline. It takes a strength to do those things. And as long as the Lord would have us serve as a component or a unit in his kingdom, he will give us the strength to do so. And so our calling as a congregation is simply... Go forward in the confidence that the work you're called to do, Satan will try to oppose, but the power to do it will be found in Jehovah God and in Jesus Christ. And then there's application to the individuals only as so far as those individuals are part of the church of Christ, part of the covenant body of Christ. And to them comes this word. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in today, not only is it still your calling, 
but you have in Christ the power to praise and glorify and serve God. It takes God saying this in his word for me to bring it to you with this conviction. Because humanly speaking, we say it can't be. It can't be. Trials, they're meant to destroy me and I, I could well be destroyed by them. But we have now in the text, in the third place, a promise. A promise that comes first of all to Asher through Moses who is a prophet. And so this isn't just something Moses dreamed up, this promise. It's not just his parting word to Asher. Well, I sure hope things go well with you. But it's a word that God gave Moses to speak. And Moses speaks it as the prophet of God. And therefore it will come to pass. Now the promise comes to Asher in as much grace as the promise came to you and to me. Asher didn't deserve this any more than any tribe in Israel. If you think of Asher's history, when ten spies said, the land which we searched out is a good land, it's flowing with milk and honey, it's fertile, but we'll never be able to take it because we don't have the strength, the walls are too high and the people are giants. It was two men from Asher who joined in bringing that evil report. Later on in Asher's history, Ephraim would decide it wasn't getting enough prominence and prestige and recognition among the 12 tribes. And so it led the way at the time of Jeroboam in rebelling against Judah and the house of David and forming its own separate kingdom. And you know that Asher went with that northern kingdom to the earthly destruction of the people and of the tribe eventually. The point is, as is true of all God's promises, they came to Asher, they came to the elect, remnant in Asher who would believe the promise and rely on God to fulfill the promise and there were some as the years would go on there would be many in Asher who would say promise shmamis God must not have meant it and we're not looking to him to fulfill it either Are you looking to him? Are you clinging to this promise in faith? There was, though, a beautiful fulfillment in Asher. Even though she went with the northern kingdom and therefore spiritually many in her tribe degenerated and became worshippers of images and later of idols at the time of Ahab. Yet God still preserved his remnant. There came a time in the days of King Hezekiah, king of Judah, the southern kingdom, 
that he said, we're going to have a Passover. We haven't had a Passover in a while. It's time to have a Passover again. We're supposed to do it every year. And he sent messengers into the northern ten tribes and said, come down. You are told to worship in Dan and Bethel and not go to Jerusalem. Come down to Jerusalem and have the Passover. And in a day and age when many scorned and scoffed at those messengers that came, there were some of the tribe of Asher, we read, who humbled themselves. An elect remnant that comes down to worship God in the right way. God preserves a remnant. Even you children know of a story in the New Testament in which is seen that God preserves a remnant from the tribe of Asher. When Jesus was born, his parents took him to the temple as a little baby. And there were different people there who saw Jesus. Simeon was one of them, but another was that widow lady, Anna, who was of the tribe of Asher. And as the apostle John, in his revelation, Revelation 7, sees the church of Jesus Christ of all ages gathered into one glorified body, he says, there will be 12,000 from Asher, by which really he's meaning to say the elect remnant from every segment of the church of Jesus Christ on earth will be gathered and defended and preserved. This is the promise to Asher, and this is its certain fulfillment. If ever you or I say, I don't look for fulfillment anymore, then we're forgetting the fulfillment that Asher and her elect remnant did enjoy. And so the promise comes to you and to me as well. The point I want to make now is it is certain. It is not something Jehovah hopes to do, give us this strength as long as our days last. It is certain. And that certainty is expressed in two words. They're not even in the Hebrew. That is literally they're translated in our King James in italics. But the idea is very much there in the text. So shall. There is no question about it. The one who made the promise is Jehovah God. And he does not lie. He does not change his mind. And he does not make a promise only later to say, I really meant it at the time but I find myself unable to carry it out. I have to negate that promise. No, Jehovah God says, so shall. On the one hand, this is encouragement then in this life to bear to the glory of God the trials and burdens he gives us. Recognizing that from a physical viewpoint, our body might seem to have no strength. And emotionally, we might be fully drained. But even in that circumstance, there is a service of praise we can render to our Lord. So shall thy strength 
be. And at the same time, the reminder that to the degree here on earth we feel as if this just isn't going to be fulfilled, there's encouragement to look to heaven where the fulfillment will be ongoing. Endless days means endless strength. Clinging to that promise by faith, we go to God in prayer. Uh, the third stanza of that hymn, day by day and with each passing moment, turns now into a prayer. Help me then in every tribulation so to trust thy promises, O Lord, that I lose not faith's sweet consolation offered me within thy holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, ere to take, as from a father's hand, one by one, the days, the moments fleeting, with Christ the Lord I stand. And when we pray that prayer and when we cling to this promise in faith we are Asher. I didn't tell you yet the word means blessed happy. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, may thy word encourage us both in regards to bearing up in the trials and troubles of life here below and also with a view to remembering that through these thou art preparing for us a far more eternal weight of glory. May we behold in thy promises and the fulfillment of them thy love for us in Jesus Christ and a grace that we did not deserve. Now give us to sing thy praises, whether weak or strong, in whatever circumstance of life, to confess thy goodness for Jesus' sake. Amen. We sing two.